Proverbs chapter 31, and we'll begin in verse 10. Brethren, let us hear God's precious and holy word. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up And call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Amen. May our Heavenly Father be pleased to bless the reading of His Word to our souls. Brethren, in this portion of Holy Scripture, the Spirit of God poses one of the most essential and fundamental questions of life. Amidst all the questions that are recorded in Scripture, We took just a very brief survey of some of uh, perhaps the more well-known ones last week. This one towers above many. Who can find a virtuous woman? There might be some that think that there's a little bit of hyperbole in that. Why is that such... An important question. But I trust as we begin to unfold again uh, the weeks ahead, these messages, you will recognize why. <clears throat> I put this emphasis here, and I do not believe 
that it is an exaggeration in the slightest. The very foundation of any society, the very foundation of the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ are families without virtuous women. Man simply cannot accomplish as he ought what God has called him to be. Mankind cannot and will not be what God intends them to be. But I trust that as these messages unfold, you'll see all of that illustrated. In our last study, we discovered that this passage records a godly mother's instructions to her son, whom we know here as King Lemuel. We don't know anything about King Lemuel, but we know that his mother instructed him in what a godly woman is. His mother explained, described a virtuous woman to her son. Now, this instruction takes the form of an acrostic poem, which means that each verse begins with a consecutive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. This is a literary device to help memorization of the poem. It isn't simply meant for us to sit down, wistfully look at once in a while, get kind of misty and foggy and soggy in our emotions about womanhood. It's something to be internalized. It's something to be learned. It's something to be learned at an early age. And it is something to be sought after. Here in God's infallible word is instruction of the most wise and practical sort. And the point is crucial. Young men, young men, I'm not forgetting who I'm speaking to. Young men ought to know by heart the character of a virtuous woman. It's interesting to me that my first introduction to this particular passage and the way I was essentially uh, familiar with it in the early years of my walk with the Lord was that this was basically a passage that women were to come to. And of course, it is a, a, a passage for women. But the very context gives us something quite different. This is a passage for you men to come to regularly. And this is a passage for you to instruct your sons from as well. Young men should know by heart the character of a virtuous woman. If that is so, quite obviously then, women should know what the character of a virtuous woman is. So, while our purpose is to instruct women in what God has called them to be, we must not overlook the importance of this subject for men. Now, thus far, we have considered that a virtuous woman is of incalculable worth because she is so exceedingly rare. Scarcity always 
increases the value of desirable things. And this is clearly the point of the passage before us. A virtuous woman is enormously, enormously valuable because a virtuous woman is so very scarce. Now, we also considered that there are two primary reasons that a virtuous woman is, in fact, scarce. Number one, the qualities displayed here are seldom taught. And number two, they are rarely, tragically sought. Or I should say tragically, they are rarely sought. Parents, especially in our day, rarely instill these qualities in their daughters. They've got them out on the softball field. They're out on the basketball court. They're in the army now. But rarely do they instill these qualities in their daughters. And likewise, they rarely teach their sons to look for women who possess these qualities. Matthew Henry says of this poem, It is designed to show what wives the women should make and what wives the men should choose. Unfortunately, because most men have never been taught to value and to earnestly seek a woman possessed of these internal qualities, they usually seek the ones who stimulate them with their external qualities. Therefore, we are calling upon the Lord Jesus to teach us from His infallible Word what a virtuous woman really is. And having determined that a virtuous woman is priceless, we come to consider why she is so. Because a virtuous woman is of inestimable value, we take the title of this message from verse 10. Her price is far above rubies. Her price is far above rubies. And we want to remember these three things tonight, the Lord willing. And we're going to spend most of our time on the first one. Number one, a virtuous woman is priceless because of what she is. Secondly, a virtuous woman is priceless because of what she does. This one flows from the first one. And finally, a virtuous woman is priceless because of whom she serves. So, God helping us Let's take up the first item here. A virtuous woman is priceless because of what she is. Very often in our society, 
Women are thought of as valuable or priceless or desirable because of what they wear or because of what they smell like or because of what they have. But what we have set before us here is that a virtuous woman is priceless because of what she is. Because of what she is. The book of Job says, The price of wisdom is above rubies. It's Job 28.18. Likewise, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 11, declares, For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Proverbs 20.15 adds, There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. So, what's the point of reading these passages? The Holy Spirit is telling us in verse 10, a virtuous woman's value, her worth, her price, is far above rubies. And in telling us that, we are to understand that the Spirit of God is putting women in a category of the most valuable treasures in Scripture. The price of wisdom is above rubies. A virtuous woman is far, far above rubies. What are we called on in the Scripture to love? We're called to love wisdom. And the wisest man on earth at that time, and the wisest man who has ever been, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, said wisdom is better than rubies. So the virtuous woman is, is in the highest kind of category of value to be appreciated, to be esteemed. So as we begin to consider why a virtuous woman is so priceless, let's start with the definition of woman. What then is a woman? How would you define that? This one's really not tricky. It's just interesting how basic it is. The dictionaries are all pretty much in agreement when it comes to defining the word woman. Webster's 1828 Dictionary says, The female of the human race grown to adult years. The female of the human race grown to adult years. <clears throat> now, the authoritative Oxford English Dictionary puts it this way. 
an adult female human being. Does that strike you as particularly profound? What is there something to grab us about that? Well, I actually find it interesting <clears throat> that in almost this exact wording, every dictionary I could get my hands on says pretty much the same thing. Checked out uh, what I could in the encyclopedias. And uh, even the Hebrew word that is translated into the English woman also means wife or female. That's basically it. Yet there is something really profound about this. And I trust that we will see as we continue. But what I want to say at this particular point is that finding a female of the human race who has grown to her adult years is no challenge. That's not a challenge. The challenge lies in the adjective virtuous. Solomon doesn't say, or to whom, whomever we may uh, contribute uh, or attribute the Proverbs 31, there's some argument as to who actually wrote it. I have no reason to believe it wasn't Solomon. But whoever the author was, clearly the Holy Ghost is telling us that a virtuous woman is hard to find. We can find adult females all over the planet of every size, of every shape, of every gift, of every age, of every race, of virtually every conceivable kind of religious bent. But that isn't the question. The question is who can find, who by seeking out, who by setting his heart to discover can find a virtuous female grown to adult years. And this uh, particular question drives us to consider the fact that if all adult female beings, female human beings, are not virtuous, why not? Why not? Why is a virtuous woman so exceedingly rare? And that drives us on than to consider woman's creation. <clears throat> and there are a number of things that we really want to take note of tonight because as with our studies that we did on godly manhood, we're going to look at some fundamental issues in our first uh, studies that will expand and broaden out and touch so many aspects of our lives. So we want to watch closely, listen closely, to the Word of God. 
So we want to consider then the creation of woman. And that takes us to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We have this. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. All right, now here's where we need to sit up and take special notice. Male and Female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, there are many things that we could mine out of this. But I chose these this evening. Most of them sit right on the surface. You don't even have to take out uh, (laughs) your mental pickaxe and dig down deep. Most of these are lying right on the very surface of this. But uh, some will take a little more thought. But uh, the reason I make that point is these are so very obvious. Why is it? that our culture, including many of our churches, do not seem to see them. Number one, woman is not an evolved being, but a creature made in the image of Almighty God. Woman is not an evolved being, but a creature made in the image of Almighty God. If there were nothing else to say about women, and of course there is much more to say, but if there were nothing else, what extraordinary value does that make of women? Why then are they not all virtuous? This is where the question begins to get important. Ladies, every one of you, and everyone that has ever been, and everyone that will be until the Lord returns, was made in the image of Almighty God. And there is about you that which is glorious and reflects His infinite wisdom Mercy, grace, love, and power. That is also one of the reasons you are mysterious. That is why men and women never completely, quote, figure each other out. Because they're not simply evolved beings with learned behavior. They are creatures made in the image of Almighty God. And as such, 
That sets them above all of the rest of God's creation. Secondly, now some of you are going to smile when I say this. But secondly, woman is not male, but female. Now, for this crowd, that might not be too surprising a statement. But we live in a day and an age that insist that everything men are and do, women ought to be. Ridiculously large sums of money have been put into scientifically looking at the viability of surgically altering men so that they can carry babies. I'm not making this up. I heard a tape that had some of the most remarkable and disgusting facts on it that one could imagine. Why in the world would anyone want to spend a great deal of money trying to figure out how to get men to carry babies? Now, ladies, I know it's, it's, it's almost loud. I can hear many of you thinking, they should all have at least one. Yes, I know. <clears throat> you have the next one. I understand that. But I'm quite sure you're not willing to support the drive for surgically modifying your husbands to do so. Now, what is, what is my point here? Women are a distinct gender. Our society wants really to deny that. It simply wants to say that men and women have a few biological differences. But apart from that, they ought to be able to do the same things, make the same amount of money, wear the same things. And the list could be very, very long. What is absolutely on the surface and plain as it can possibly be, you don't have to buy a commentary, you don't have to even study the Hebrew to figure this out. Woman is not male. Women make very poor men. And vice versa. Women are female. A creation in the image of God with a distinct gender. And while... Our culture does everything it possibly can to blend, to blur, and to distort those distinctions. God's people ought to do everything to preserve them. Thirdly, this passage shows us that woman is a creature blessed of God for accomplishing His eternal purpose, which is set forth for us in this passage as men and women having dominion over the earth. 
God has given man, which is male and female, the charge of taking dominion over the earth. Ladies, you are an absolutely indispensable, vital part of God's eternal purpose. Made in His image with a distinct gender for the purpose of having dominion over the earth under God's rule along with male. Now, there are women who would like to have simply Amazon planet. Just the girls run it. Get rid of the guys. We don't need them. Throughout the year, there have been several headlines that they're really bubbling away in some of the labs saying now we can now reproduce without having to have men around. They're doing everything they can to make this function, to make this happen. Now, I won't spend any time running down that particular avenue. But again, simply to say, woman is not some kind of castaway creation, something uh, slightly between man and a a giraffe. Women and men are created in God's image for the express purpose of having dominion over the earth. Now that must be defined and we will see that defined. All of the roles that women play, well, we can't touch all of them, but the basics of what we're going to deal with is clearly defined in Scripture, and we want to see those things. But it is absolutely an indispensable part of God's eternal purpose. That which will finally culminate in the glorious kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ in its final and consummated stages begins with male and female. Fourthly, Woman is a creature blessed of God in her sexuality and fertility. It's right here. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. The whole notion of a loving union of a man and a woman physically expressing their love for one another is blessed of God as a good thing and has as its fruit the bearing of children. And it is tragic that we live in a day in which even our churches are doing everything they can to promote child prevention. It is amazing that we come to church and hold a book that in the very first chapter has God commanding men and women to join together in a union that produces beautiful children. 
And yet we have Christians today, when they see a family that has more than three children walk in the back of the building, that smirk, elbow one another, and say, don't they know how this happens? Shouldn't somebody tell them how this happens? Brethren, that's wicked. And yet that's more common than you can possibly imagine. Women. Woman. Is a creature blessed of God. This didn't just accidentally happen. But are blessed of God. In her sexuality and fertility. Fifthly, woman was declared very good by God. If we go back to Genesis and we read chapter 1 very carefully, at the end of the creation, the Lord looks upon all that He's done and He says everything that He's done is very good. Very good. Of course, this again nudges us regarding our question. If women were created good, and not only good, but very good, why is a virtuous woman so rare? Number six. This actually goes hand in hand with number four. It is therefore, in light of all the things set forth before us in this passage thus far, it is the very purpose of God for women to bear children. They are blessed of God in their union and their ability to bear, and they should bear. Now, there are certain things that are difficult to talk about in mixed company. I will do all that I can to try to say these things as delicately as I can. But considering the atmosphere in which we live, the culture which is constantly promoting every conceivable manner of wickedness and perversion, it must be pointed out that ultimately a sodomite world must extinguish itself because it cannot bear children. Two men cannot produce children. Two women cannot produce children. And brethren, that's one of the reasons much in perverted science is doing everything it can to eliminate the need for there to be a union between man and woman so that people can simply have the relations of their choice. But the passage is clear. Women are absolutely vital to the eternal purpose of God because they do and they should bear children. 
And that is a sacred and holy thing. Unfortunately, because so many men are unmanly, it is a much more difficult thing for women to have children than it ought to be. If we had more men that were leaders, and young men, I'm looking, I'm looking at a handful of young men that are not married. You need to do everything you possibly can if you're not already to know what it means to be a man and to know what women wrestle and struggle through. Learn from your godly mothers what great burdens they bear and learn how to lead according to the Word of God so that the bearing of children will not be a a miserable experience because of you. Seventh, and we'll stop for this particular passage with this thought. Woman is to have dominion with man over the earth. We've alluded to that. And again, it's obvious in the passage. Let's hear it once again. Genesis says, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. You see, the God who rules the heavens and the earth is a great and mighty sovereign. He's the governor of all things. We are made in His image. That is why there is the desire within us to rule. That's why in every human being, male or female, there's that urge to want to tell everybody else what to do. Unless it's properly governed by the Word of God, we just end up being bossy. But that's there. And why is it there? Because created in the image of God, as it says here, God says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So, because of that, because of His eternal purpose, God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He Him, male and female created He them. So, woman is not an evolved being, but a creature made in the image of Almighty God. Woman is not a male, but a female with a distinct gender, which should be preserved. Woman is a creature blessed of God for accomplishing His eternal purpose. Woman is a creature blessed of God in her sexuality and fertility Woman was declared good, very good. By God, woman is to bear children. And in these things, she is to rule with man. With man over the earth. Now let's look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 15.
And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Let me explain. The chapter 2 does something that we find often throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. Something will take place in the chapter before it, and then in the following chapter, there will be a backup chronologically. There will be a backward step to look at some of the details of what was set out in the previous chapter. And that's what we have here. We are told about man being created in chapter 1, but in chapter 2, we're given some of the details of that extraordinary event. Now notice, at this particular point, if you're a careful reader, you will realize that Eve has not been created at this juncture of the story. God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress and keep it. He put him in the garden to work and to guard it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help. I, the living God, will make him an help meet for him. Meet means suitable for him. In other words, I know what he needs, and I'm going to make exactly what he needs as an help. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found in help meat for him. This is just an amazing passage, brethren. This isn't just story. History. Well, you know, God did this, He did this, and He made a, he made a garden, He put some animals in it, and uh, He let Adam name them. Is that all we have? Is it just a dry narrative? Well, of course not. There is infinitely wise purpose in everything God puts in His Word. And the first thing that we're being shown here, if I can say it this way, and and, and I don't mean to be irreverent, but dog is not man's best friend. said that before. I emphasize it again. The Lord put Adam into the garden and, and a theme that you find running throughout the Scripture is God with His people in a place. And here it began that very way. Here's God. He has Adam and He makes a place. He puts Adam in that garden. And then He says, now, it's not good for him to be alone. Now, the Lord didn't just discover that. We're being told that so that we might understand The whys of what's going on here. God had purposed before the foundation of the world to create woman. And this is to build us up for the the glorious uh, pinnacle of what He's going to do. This is the climax. 
This is the focal point. He wants us to see Adam sitting there and there's not a help for him yet. He's, he's lonesome. Now, it's not a sinful, fleshy lonesome, but there's something not quite fulfilled. It's not good. God says it's not good for him to be alone. And so then the Lord lets him begin to work through the animals. And he names them. All right. Now, we, we could spend a lot of time on that, but we'll move right on by it and simply say he names the animals and when he gets to the end, he's still in need of help. In, in all of the extraordinary creatures that God has set before him, what he needs to fulfill the eternal purpose of God of taking dominion over the earth isn't there. There's the power of the lion. And all of the there's the, there's the brute strength of, of elephants and oxes. But for man to do what God has commanded him to do, he can't be alone. We're also told that man and all the animals were made out of the, the dirt, the dust of the ground. And that brings us to an amazing, amazing consideration. Verse 21 says, The Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, the first thing we want to notice here, again, is fairly obvious. But it's easy to overlook if you're not reading carefully. Number one, woman is created in the image of God. But she is a special creature. Now, ladies, I can say that unhesitatingly. You are special. Brother Stephen and I have to look back to our heritage in the dirt. But you were not made out of the dust of the ground. You were made out of man. No other creature was so made. You hold a position in the Scripture unlike any other of God's creatures. Secondly, in order to understand that specialness, you must understand the context in which you were created. And for what purpose? And that is to be a help. You were not created out of man to be worshipped. 
You were created out of man to be His help. Oh, what a glorious picture there is here. Adam being put to sleep by God, so to speak. And of course, throughout the Bible, sleep is one of the the symbols of, of death. And out of that sleep comes life. The Lord Jesus Christ died. And out of His blood, out of His wounds, so to speak, came forth His church, His bride, the one that He loved from all eternity. You'll notice, when God brings the woman to the man, He's He breaks out in poetry. This apparently is Hebrew poetry. Now that still goes on, doesn't it? Men are still writing poems and songs about women. It happened all the time. Why? Because they're special creatures. The tragedy is that today that specialness is buried and perverted Because of sin. You were not made to rule men, and neither were you made to be trampled on by men. You were made by the living God to be His completer. It was not good for Him to be alone. So God made a special creature. It wasn't a, a, a crocodile, a salamander. It, 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 it wasn't uh, any of the extraordinary creatures that we could name. And it wasn't out of the dust of the earth. It was out of His own body. So that there would always be that clear specialness. Alike! Alike! and yet different, male and female. Do you understand this? Do you see this? This is vital because this is God's eternal purpose. Now, we're going to bring this to an end for this evening. We had a number of other things to to get to, but we didn't get there. And that's fine. But let let me close with these particular thoughts. A virtuous woman is priceless because of what she is. And that that leaves us with something of a problem because we see in the creation account clearly that woman was special. Yet, by the time the writer of Proverbs 31 put his pen to the paper, he had to say, Who? by exertion and searching, can find a virtuous woman. What happened? Well, it was the passage we would have gone through next and the fall. And we will simply say this evening, what restores sinful, ungodly women 
who have traded away the glory of their specialness for the filth of this world. Or even just for the wrong value. It is sin. And the only thing that restores sinful women is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. How precious and glorious that through woman who in the garden tempted her husband followed her and fell that in God's wise and holy purpose generations later the Savior of all men was born of a woman. While manhood needs to be restored in Christ so it is that womanhood needs to be restored in Christ. God willing, we will take up part two on this next week. Let's pray. Oh, Father, as we traverse Thy Holy Word, as we look at these passages and think just a little bit, we begin to see what a terrible perversion the world has made of the uniqueness of men and women. And that You get glory out of male and female. Oh, would You bless our dear sisters here tonight. I pray that every one of them in their hearts and minds and souls looks to Thee for her restoration that she might be a virtuous woman. For the children, for the the young women, the little girls who do not know Thee, oh, would You turn their eyes off of themselves and onto the Lord Jesus Christ. That their womanhood might be brought to full blossom in the glorious Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now take these truths, burn them into our hearts, and help us to walk in them. In Jesus' name, Amen. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780 780- Four five zero thirty seven thirty by fax at seven eight zero four six eight ten ninety six or by mail at forty seven ten dash thirty seven A Avenue, Edmonton. That's E D 
M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important. When he says that God had commanded no such thing, and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.